Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for episode 4 of Freud in Focus, a podcast from the Freud Museum London, hosted by Tom DeRose and me, Jamie Ruers, produced by Carolina Heller. Tom is away this week, and instead, I'm joined by Freud Museum curator and, I hope you don't mind me saying, one of the most knowledgeable people of Freud Museum of the Freud Museum's collection, Bryony Davies. Welcome, Bryony. We're going to be taking a step back today from the deep, dark depths of the text beyond the pleasure principle, and we're going to see it in a different light. Today, we will introduce you to the upcoming exhibition at the Freud Museum called 1920-2020, Freud and Pandemic, opening on the 19th of May, 2021, in line with government restrictions. Bryony, I'm going to hand over to you now to give an overview of this exhibition. Well, last year, when the museum was forced to close, like every other public venue, our exhibition programme ground to a halt. And of course, when we started to reschedule our exhibitions, we didn't know that lockdowns would be reintroduced and then extended again. So our original, carefully scheduled timetable just kept on changing. But when we looked again at our plans, we decided that we couldn't just carry on as before. We needed to engage with the unpredictable and urgent events that were happening in the world. As a museum, we display Freud's collection and we host exhibitions, but we also work hard to engage with ideas and events in contemporary life, and particularly, of course, in relation to Freud and psychoanalysis. And the COVID-19 pandemic has affected everyone in profound ways, so naturally we wanted to examine this from a psychoanalytic perspective. Also, 2020 was to be the year in which we marked the centenary of Freud's publication of Beyond the Pleasure Principle. And this was a natural starting point from which to look at Freud's life and work in 1920. As we all lived through our own experiences of a global pandemic in 2020, which are, of course, still, we're experiencing them to a different extent wherever we are in the world today, um, it was easy to see the parallels with events from 100 years ago. Now, the world is obviously very different from 100 years ago in terms of medical treatment, methods of communication, etc. But Freud's experience of the Spanish flu epidemic um, exposed some uncanny similarities. And of course, he was living through all of this whilst writing Beyond the Pleasure Principle. So this was really our starting point. Uh, the narrative of the exhibition would take historical and contemporary accounts of and responses to these two world-changing pandemics. We wanted to focus the historical aspect on the Freud family's experience, uh, particularly the tragic death of Freud's daughter, Sophie, as well as the response from psychoanalysis at the time. And it was also important for us to include modern day first-hand stories from clinicians and researchers working on the front line. And we've done that in a new short film. Now, we were, of course, researching, writing, designing and curating this exhibition in lockdown, which was a big challenge. Uh, we did everything in-house, but we've been lucky enough to have some loan objects as well in the exhibition. On loan from the British Red Cross is a full Red Cross nurse's uniform 
from around 1918 to 1920, the worst years of the Spanish flu. Uh, also a feeding cup for patients and a so-called vaporizer, which claimed to help patients with respiratory issues. It's really incredible to see these items now in relation to the PPE and medical equipment we're so familiar with from news reports. Um, and we also have on display a number of letters from the Sigmund Freud archive at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. And those really gave us an insight into Freud's response to the Spanish flu pandemic. So it's been really great to see all this come together to create the Finnish exhibition. And I'm really looking forward to welcoming visitors back to the actual museum to see it. Mm-hmm, indeed. And you'd mentioned just briefly there that there are letters written by Freud on display. What was so significant about these letters that you'd found in the Library of Congress based in Washington, D.C.? And why do you feel that these had to be included? Well, it's very easy to see figures from the past as having lived in a very different world, and particularly when they're famous uh, figures like writers or thinkers. What I found in these letters were very personal reflections written by Freud. And Freud wrote many, many letters over the years. Of course, this was the main form of communication during his lifetime. Um, and I've read a lot that he sent to family or close friends, which are quite casual and unguarded. But these letters, written almost immediately after receiving the news of Sophie's death, really show Freud as a father, as a son, a husband. A letter, for example, to his mother, Amalia, really illustrates this, combining the tragedy of the news with the practicalities undertaken by Sophie's siblings uh, visiting her widowed husband, Max. Uh, I'll, I'll read the letter now. This is a letter written on the 26th of January, 1920. Dear Mother, I have some sad news for you today. Yesterday morning, our dear lovely Sophie died from galloping influenza and pneumonia. We learned of it at noon from a telephone conversation with Minna in Reichenhall. Ollie and Ernst have left Berlin to be with Max. Robert and Mathilde are leaving on the 29th to try and assist the poor bereaved man. Martha is too upset. One couldn't let her take, undertake the journey. And in any case, she wouldn't have found Sophie alive. She is the first of our children we have to outlive. What Max will do and what will happen to the children we of course don't know as yet. I hope you will take it calmly. Tragedy after all has to be accepted. But to mourn this splendid vital girl who was so happy with her husband and children is of course permissible. I greet you fondly, your Sigmund. Freud is heartbroken, but also stoic. His wife Martha's grief is mentioned in many of the letters, and the fact that they couldn't travel to Hamburg, where Sophie died, was another blow. He wrote to his friend and colleague, Oster Pfister, that Sophie, who was only 26 at the time, had been, quote, snatched away in the midst of a glowing health from a full and active life as a competent mother, a loving wife, all in four or five days, as though she had never existed. Although we have been worried about her for a couple of days, we have nevertheless been hopeful. It is so difficult to judge from a distance. And this distance must remain distance. We were not able to travel at once, as we had intended, after the first alarming news. There was no train, not even in an emergency. 
the undisguised brutality of our time is weighing heavily upon us. Tomorrow she is being cremated, our poor Sunday child. End quote. I think the letters on display really allowed Freud's own voice to express his emotions. His publication of Beyond the Pleasure Principle was heavily influenced by his experiences and the events obviously taking place in the world. But these letters show his immediate personal response. Thank you so much, Bryony. That's really interesting to hear. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the exhibition approaches Freud's experience with the Spanish flu. In previous episodes, Tom and I had addressed the time frame in which Freud wrote Beyond the Pleasure Principle, but Sophie's death certainly appears to have influenced the text, and particularly Freud's formation of the death drive. The title is 1920-2020, so the exhibition has this second layer to it, looking at our contemporary responses to the current pandemic. How does COVID-19 fit into this? Are there, are there many parallels? Are there parallels? There are definitely parallels. Um, the Spanish flu pandemic affected one third of the world's population, at least 500 million people between uh, 1918 and 1920. Uh, so although they are entirely different strains of disease, COVID-19 and the Spanish flu, uh, the Spanish flu was also a disease transmitted through close contact with others. And we can see similarities in the measures taken by governments and by individuals in response. A hundred years ago, schools, shops and restaurants closed, restrictions were placed on transportation, social distancing was encouraged and large social gatherings were banned. And there were even so-called flu masks worn to prevent the disease spreading. Now, of course, we wanted to engage with contemporary events and reflect people's experiences of the COVID-19 pandemic. The exhibition features new artworks by Julia Lockhart, who has painted the dreams of frontline health workers as part of the Dreams ID project. Dreams ID was launched as an art-science collaboration in which psychologist Mark Blagrove discusses the dream of uh, an individual whilst the artist Julia Lockhart paints it. And she actually uses the uh, the pages of Freud's famous book, The Interpretation of Dreams, as a canvas. They're accompanied by a short explanatory quote uh, by the dreamer, which exposes the anxieties and the thoughts preoccupying their minds. They're really striking artworks, and they show the often bizarre and anxiety-ridden unconscious thoughts of those on the front line of this crisis. We've also made a short, uh, a new short film for the exhibition, in which we hear from psychiatrists, psychologists and psychoanalysts discussing the ways in which psychoanalytic practitioners have been supporting public health. COVID-19 has undoubtedly changed the way therapeutic interventions occur and the idea of online therapy has now been uh, a new and complex experience for many patients and clinicians. Uh, it's also necessitated discussions on clinical therapy, uh, clinical theory, and technique, which will have a lasting effect on the future of psychotherapy. That's great. I mean, what topical subjects to be addressing. And there's been a lot of discussion, I suppose, over the last year about the role that dreams have played in our everyday lives, not least in the clinic, um, in, in our individual responses to the pandemic. And um, it feels like more than usual that people are becoming 
comfortable talking about their dreams. This also reminds me of Freud's revisiting his dream theories in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, which we looked at in episode two on speculation and the compulsion to repeat. Makes me wonder how far dreams during the pandemic follow Freud's initial theory that they serve as wish fulfillments, or how far they play a role in searching for something beyond the pleasure principle. This is purely speculative from my point of view, but I suppose Tom will go into further detail next week in his discussion with Amelia when they look at the role psychoanalysis has played in the COVID response. I look forward to seeing the artworks. The pandemic has affected us all to varying degrees, no matter where we are in the world, and that being said, it completely makes sense that not everyone listening will have the opportunity to visit the exhibition, which will open in May and close in September. Whilst it won't be possible for everyone to see it in situ, are there any ways or any other ways that someone listening at home in Vienna, in New York, in Buenos Aires, or Tokyo, or Auckland might be able to experience this exhibition? Yeah, well, one of the major issues we've considered with this exhibition is the fact that people will not be able to visit in person if, if you know, travel restrictions stay in place for much longer. Um, it's not ideal, obviously, when you're planning a show and you want people to come along and see it. But we've really focused on making the content for this exhibition as accessible as possible. We have lots of online events planned, including the event Psychoanalysis and Covidian Life at the end of April. Mark Blargrove and Julia Lockhart, whose incredible artworks are featured in the exhibition that I was just speaking about before, they will be performing their um, dream painting in a live online event in July. And we have many other on-demand events available to stream at any time people feel like it. Uh, these include Professor Brett Carr's talk, How Freud Would Have Handled the Coronavirus. There is Darian Leader's talk, Some Thoughts on the Pandemic. And Susie Orbach's uh, COVID-19 and Psyche, What Are We Learning? These were all really popular online events at the time, and they're still available to, um, to see on demand. We're also planning on making content from the exhibition available online through trailers, installation shots and blog posts throughout the summer. And of course, the museum will actually be allowed to reopen to visitors at some point. So as you said um, at the beginning, Jamie, it's May the 19th, if everything goes to plan, that we'll be able to, to reopen. So unless anything changes with government guidelines, that's the date we're aiming for. The museum is a COVID safe venue and we have lots of systems in place to safeguard visitors, including one way systems, limited visitor numbers, and of course, lots of hand sanitizer available everywhere. So if you are local to the museum, um, you can book your visit online through our website's uh, booking system. And there's really no better place to spend an afternoon, especially in the, the kind of spring summer, wandering around Freud's study, looking at his incredible collection of antiquities and sitting in his beautiful garden as well. So, of course, you'll be able to do all of this and experience this brand new exhibition in person, too. Amazing. It sounds like, sounds like there's a huge amount to get our teeth into, even if we can't all be at the museum right now. I have just one final question for you, Bryony. What one lesson can we learn from the exhibition? Perhaps a particular highlight for you? Um, well, that's, that's a great question. I think there's lots to learn from the exhibition. 
Um, but for me personally, it's been really revealing to read Freud's letters from this period. Um, as I said before, it's tempting to look at, at historical figures as just kind of faces in old black and white photos and great names printed in books and think of them as living in an entirely different world from us, um, to think that they're just very different people in the past. But Freud and his family's response to Sophie's death in the time of a global pandemic in which so many people died uh, was just the response of a parent losing a daughter or a sibling losing a sister. And Freud, of course, wrote very eloquently about this, but his, his personal vulnerability is clear. Bryony, thank you so much for joining me today and for allowing us to glimpse into one of the most vulnerable moments in Freud's life. It was such a treat to hear those letters. I can't wait to see the exhibition. If you're local, you can book your place to visit 1920-2020, Freud and Pandemic, at the Freud Museum from the 19th of May. Thanks again for joining me, Jamie Ruers, and the Freud Museum's curator, Bryony Davies, this week for Freud in Focus, a Freud Museum podcast produced by Carolina Heller. Next week, Tom will be back for the fifth and final episode of Beyond the Pleasure Principle, where he will be in discussion with the museum's outreach officer, Emilia Rajkowska, on contemporary psychoanalytic responses to the pandemic. We'll see you then.